Craddock. Welcome back. Process preparation and performance. I'm Duke. He's Simmons. And the tag game is rolling, JR. <laughs> we have Coach Kurt Hines here. I'm not sure how it happened, but Coach Steiny was happy enough and nice enough to tag him. He had nothing but good words to say on his podcast. And we're lucky to have him. If you, if you haven't heard of Coach Hines by the end of this, you're going you're gonna to want to go to his website and check it out because I've done some stalking on social media and checked him out. That's, that's not, a, it's not a secret anymore, Coach. So uh, <laughs> we're going to get to that. And we're going to get to all things Islander football and some other stuff in there. But, JR, it's the third week of high school football in Missouri. Yeah. We have a certain amount of teams that have opted to play in the spring and some that are playing in the fall. We're playing in the fall, but COVID numbers are going up. They're going up all around. The White House just called out the county right above us (laughs) really the the white house called out the county one county north where our primary rivals are and things are things are going crazy we have coaches gathering to protest and get petitions signed to let them play we have all kinds of stuff going on but the most interesting news of the day for me jr is your bike riding (laughs) and the storm that hit tonight oh man that was incredible did you i just don't know did you get wet was it crazy you texted me and you said hey remember uh we got the podcast and i said yep i'm 15 miles from the house i'll be on time five miles from the house deluge i have never been that (laughs) wet on a bike in my life like there was water literally flying out of my shoes it it was until i got over the bridge if you ever come to jeff city Look at the pedestrian bridge because you got some switchbacks and then you got to ride across the pedestrian bridge and right there it completely opened up. So by the time I got on West Main, it doesn't matter if you're doing 17 miles an hour, 20 miles an hour. It's a little bit different in the rain because anything (laughs) on the road that has paint, you could go down just instantly. Right. And so rolling about 18 miles an hour in an absolute downpour. And I got home, I'd have been drier if I'd have gotten a shower. It was unbelievable. unbelievable. Was Con- was Connie with you? She was. Uh, oh boy! Oh, get her, get her on the show, Jr. Get her on the show because I want to know how that no, went. She was not happy. By the oh, way, my. she she came to say you the other day. Yeah, the shot works perfect in her foot perfect. that you put in, and she got new Good. shoes, so she has carbon fiber riding shoes now, and so nice. she's picked up about another another mile an hour. We averaged about seventeen. On our thirty-mile ride tonight, which is a lot of gravel, so holy cow! I gotta so, get, I gotta get in a race somewhere. I gotta do something. So yeah, and that, shout that's... out to the Flyers, even though they lost. I did get my Philly shirt in. That's so, all right. I, uh, I love it. I love Stilano it. Delano will be all. He'll be all fired up. But... He'll be all fired up. He's been texting us. So, Coach, yeah. we haven't forgot about you. <laughs> he wants to be a co-host. Coach Hines, a guy we had on the podcast. Uh, wants to be a co-host so bad. He wants to come on and get back on and make it. And he's just great people. He's just yeah. great people. But JR, I'm going to let you kick this off tonight. Yeah. Uh, introduce our guest. It's going to be an amazing show. We have a preset list of questions, as we always do. But I'm telling you right now, JR, I'm not going to stick with that script completely because there's already a couple things I see in his photo from his Zoom thing that I got to ask about. I got to ask about, especially because I've read his quotes online. I told you I did a little stalking. I've read some quotes. I've looked at it. 
So I'm fired up. I'm ready to go, JR. You know, it's awesome because we, we've had a couple trips, I guess, virtual trips out here to the West Coast. And I was sitting there tonight, right when Coach come on, I'm like, he is in Coronado. There's a famous, there's a pretty famous group of people out in Coronado <laughs> that train out there. And we are just so lucky. We, we've got Coach Kurt Hines on here, and I just I cannot wait to see what he has to say. And So, Coach, I'm going to start off right off the script. I'm going to go completely off the script right now. Have you seen the Navy SEALs out there? What is that like? First of all, gentlemen, thanks for having me. It's, it's an honor and a blessing. I, uh, this is all new and exciting for me. My wife and I are born and raised East Coast, Rhode Island, Massachusetts. We moved out here five years ago. And uh, we don't live in Coronado. It's, it's an expensive place to live. We live just <laughs> over here. But uh, not only have I seen the Navy SEALs training here uh, often, um, we, I have, I'm blessed to have a good number of uh, assistant coaches who are one gentleman I just hired on staff who uh, trains Navy SEALs. Wow. Uh, I mean, well, the guy's legit. You know, he's coached for years at multiple levels. Um, I have an assistant coach who's retired FBI, but uh, a lot of active and current military, uh, Navy, Marines on our staff. So we're, we're, we're blessed. We're blessed. That's unbelievable. We have a – we had a baseball player here at Jeff City. He, he went into the SEALs, and he was training uh, out there in Coronado for a while was training some I don't know where he is now I've kind of lost touch with him but those guys are on a they're on a different freaking level man it's just absolutely I, I gotta tell you so our, our field when we're standing on our football field I can stand anywhere on our field look down the down the road and we see downtown San Diego there are so many times throughout the season practice games where you're in the middle of practice or a game and you're yelling and screaming projecting your voice and then some Blackhawk type vehicle flies over you and it's just my first time like a complete idiot i tried to out talk that you know and uh so the first year we had some massive i don't i don't know what they were but impressive machines fly over us and one of my players goes coach you know what that is and i thought he was asking like what type of vehicle it is and i'm like i got no idea he goes that's america i'm like yeah it's a beautiful place and uh the fact that we're, you know, we have one island, one town, one team, it's a, it's a blessing to coach here. You know, I tell you, if people watch the video, but if you're just listening to the audio, Coach Hines looks like he could, he could carry some serious weaponry there. He's, he's ripped. I mean, he looks like he's been out there training with them a little bit. Well, I'm, I'm going to owe you and uh, some other people some money here. It's, it's from the waist up or from the chest up, I feel good. You know, that, that midsection is not pretty. I'll leave it at that. But <laughs> I, I shouldn't say that. Jim was just listening. That's awesome. So, that's Coach, I'll start us off. Go ahead. Yeah, that's why I just tilted my screen because oh. I, was, I was feeling a little intimidated. I was like, whoa, wait a second. Hold on. Let me tilt this thing just a little bit so we can't get, like, the whole shot here. That's all right. Sorry, JR. Oh, oh you're good. I got the leg muscles now from riding. I've given up on the bow flex for the last two months. So I'm, I'm like, I guess, waist down. We could put us all together. We'd have a hell of an athlete here real quick. There you go. So, so coach, I was reading your bio and something that stuck out to me really quickly was that you mentioned it is about people. People are the key to everything. And I agree with you 100%. 
And I got to thinking, okay, if the answer is that simple, and the three of us know that, why does nobody else follow this blueprint and just bang their head against the wall with it? Yeah, I, I don't have the answer, but I have my answer. I, I, I think we as a society, not just football coaches, try to overcomplicate things. You know, it's it just, you, you guys know as well as I do, it doesn't really matter how much football I know. If I can't convey that message to my players, I might feel good about myself, but we're not going to win many games. Um, the reason I say it's about people is because I've, I've been blessed to teach elementary school now for 26 years, wow. first through fourth grade, and I've had so much success in the classroom. And I'm not a better teacher than anyone else, but my quote-unquote secret to success is I love my students. I love my players. And I'm a firm believer that if someone knows that you love them, not as a pawn, not because of something you can gain from them, it knows that they know that you genuinely love them as a human being. You are going to do great things with them. They're going to do great things. And as a classroom or a program, you're going to far exceed whatever the stats may say or the critics might count you in or out. It's, it's all about people. It's, it's For me, that's in every walk of life, from family to business to football. It's, it's all about people. Yeah, without a doubt, right? It's not, it's not the love of the action. It's the love of the, like you said, the person. It's unconditional love that takes place regardless of who you are or what you do. Because let's face it, we, it's always about what you do next. You might have made an error, but what do you do after that error, right? So even if I'm coaching 12-year-olds in baseball, I tell them the error is going to happen. It's not the error I care about. It's a, what you do after you miss the ground ball. Do you turn and run? Or do you look at it and go, well, maybe somebody will go get it, right? So it's that unconditional love. But you're teaching elementary school, which I love. It's a totally different dynamic, right, JR? I mean, it's it's totally different. I could not do it. There is no yeah, way. JR's, JR's out. He's no way. He's, he's not he's not doing it. So tell me this, coach. How how long does that take when you first get to a program? You because it, I'm JR and I are in a similar situation uh, together. Three years ago, we left a program that had lost three games, four games in four years. Totally said we're not going. We're 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 going somewhere else. And you always wonder how long is it going to take to develop what you had relationship wise with the person going. I don't even know who you are. Hmm. Yeah, I love that question. So, so my, my response to that question, how do you build a winning program on and off the field? When I took my first head coaching job back in New Hampshire years ago, it was a brand new high school, very affluent community. And in my second interview, the principal and the athletic director said, coach, if you get this job, how long before you're in the playoffs? And very naively, I said, within three to five years. Didn't skip a beat. And I don't even know why I threw out there. I, I believe in what my skill set is. I believe what I can pull out of people. They both laughed at me. Uh, <laughs> what, what happened with very brief history was our first year, I came out guns blaring, and we set records in New Hampshire. We're getting wow. beat up more than any other team in the history of football in the, in the state. We lost every game. We got our teeth kicked in, and I was being questioned by everyone and everything. Second year, we won two games. So the second year, I'm like, oh, I may be out of a job before I have a chance to, to, you know, put my money where my mouth is. Third year, we made it to the playoffs. 
in my last four years, we went to the state championship three out of those four years, not because wow. I did something special, but I was a part of a great staff with great players and a great yeah. community. So years ago, I would have put a number on that. Now my answer, and I know my answer, for lack of a better word, pisses a lot of people off. <laughs> it's not a set amount of time for me. It's one relationship at a time. I truly believe that if I can get a young man or a young woman on my team to know that I love them and will run through a wall for them, whether they're a starter or a fourth string JV player who's trying to get reps in practice, they're going to go home and tell mom and dad, hey, quiet down in the stands a little bit. Coach knows what he's doing. Or they're going to have your back as much as you have their back. So for me, that magic number is one person at a time. And it's funny because I tell my fourth graders that I teach, I don't care about their grades. And I don't. I don't care how, what their grades are. I care about their learning. I care about them as people. And for me, it all stemmed back to seventh grade. My, math was my worst subject. I was horrible at it. Yeah, horrible at it. And I had a seventh grade math teacher, Mr. Nick, who used to sit on his desk at the beginning of every class for maybe five minutes. And I remember to this day, sitting there as a seventh grader, thinking he cares. This guy cares about me as a person. And it changed the trajectory of my life forever because I remember that's the first time I thought to myself, I want to do that. I want to have an impact on people's lives. And that was the first time as a mediocre student at best that I thought I want to teach. That and the money, because obviously you make a lot of money. <laughs> I'm with you on the math thing. When I was in high school, I hated math. Yeah. But I got to college. And I thought, I really want to understand trigonometry. And so I took trig. I had a great teacher who said, nobody's really taught you how to do it correctly. He goes, just do what I say. It'll be fine. And I've never had any issues with it since. But like you said, it takes one person. That's all it takes is just that one relationship. So I'm going to play a little devil's advocate with you here. So let's say coach gets tired, turns a losing program say a perennial loser into a winner. And then after five, six, whatever years, he moves on and that program immediately goes back to losing again. So my question is, how can that be a culture thing when it doesn't sustain itself for any period of time after supposedly, you know, it got fixed? I'll, I'll be really curious how you kind of explain this to us. Yeah, and once again, and I'm a firm believer that I'm an expert in nothing, but I'm passionate about everything. Tr truly, I, I, I'm not an expert in anything, but I'm passionate about a lot of things, and I'm wrong a lot about a lot about about a lot of things. Um, I, I think too many of us, and I've been guilty of this myself, is we find a cool saying, a cool slogan, we slap it in our locker room, we slap it in the weight room, we put it on our T-shirts, and I, we still do those things, but then we leave it at that, and we say that's our culture. And I think culture is a fluid thing that doesn't have a beginning. Well, it has a beginning, has no end, has no end. I'm a firm believer that culture is, it's an action. It's, it's a verb. It's something you've got to live out every day. Um, quick little example was years ago, and I'm still very immature, but when I was even more immature, when I was a head coach in New Hampshire, I would miss one practice a year. And it was during those parent-teacher conference nights that I couldn't miss. And I would ask my trusted Certain, you know, staff members you're closer with or whatever. And I would say, hey, text me or call me after practice. Let me know how it went. And inevitably, I would get the same answer from both coaches. Different conversations. Coach, it wasn't the same. It's just not the same without you. Mm. And I'd pretend like I was upset. I'd hang up the phone. 
put inside and I'm not proud of it, I'd be like, yeah, dang straight is not the same. I'm not there. It hit me. I was speaking at a coaching clinic a few years ago in uh, Mississippi. I think it was Mississippi. And somehow that similar question came up and I was flying home on the plane and I thought, you know, this plane goes down. I think there was a little bit of turbulence. As much as I love my wife and four kids, my wife is my best friend. When I die, if I die before her, I want her to find another husband. I want her to thrive. And I thought about it. I'm like, listen, we always talk about football being a family. If I truly love my football family, I want them to thrive when I'm not there. And I told my coaches from that day forward, and I tell them now, if I'm not there, and it almost never happens, but if I'm not, make me jealous. When I call you and say how to go, say, coach, best practice ever. Because that'll eat me up inside. I'll be like, wait a minute. But yeah. I, I wasn't there, you know. So I, I think culture is something that is not a one and done building. I think it's something that, uh, and it can't be one person. You know, your, your question, I love it, is because it's going to start at the top, but then I think once it starts at the top, it's going to be that foundation from the freshmen on up through the seniors and a fluid. It's going to be coaches that buy in. Um, and I equate it to what's the best offense or defense to win games? Anyone and everyone. I know what I like, but you look at all levels of football, you can win with a spread, you can win with a tee, you can win with a ring, ring tee, the pro, whatever it is, you have to have coaches and players that buy in. And I think it's the same with culture. They're going to buy in and live it out every day. You, you know, know yeah, absolutely. You know, because with me, I'm just a naturally skeptical person. You know, it's just, <laughs> I know that's who I am. Bill puts up with me. Bill's like this deep thinker. And I'm just like, what are we doing here? You know, like, you know, but <laughs> it's, it's interesting to me because the guys that I coach baseball with that we want to stay title here, everybody was very tight, at least to where it appeared we all got along pretty good. Everybody knew what the hell they were doing. And so with the kids, there was no wiggle room of, well, he doesn't know what he's doing. No, we all know what we're doing and we show up and this is what we're going to do. And then it worked. So then it just kind of, it just kind of built upon itself. So this one might be a loaded question. I've seen this book. I haven't read it, but it's called Culture Over Scheme. What's your opinion of can culture overcome scheme or do you still got to have some scheme regardless of what's going on here? You, you threw me a curveball with the last part of that question. I, I'm a firm believer in culture over scheme. That being said, coaches have to know what we're doing. We have to know our trade. We have to know our skill. Um, Every so often you see certain coaches that have success and you get to know them and you're like, this guy has no idea what he's doing. He just landed a great job and they've got some studs there. Yep. I, heard, I don't remember the gentleman's name, but gosh, probably I've coached high school football since my 23rd year. So probably five years into coaching, I went to a, a Glazier clinic back in Rhode Island and it was a special teams coach for the Giants. And he started off by saying, you, you high school coaches here are the, are the the most gifted and toughest and, and coaches I know and the ones I thought he was kind of just blowing smoke up our, you know, you know, where's for a little bit, but he said, he's like, listen, at the youth level, not a lot of parents expect a lot at the collegiate and professional level. You're dealing with some of the best athletes in the world. At the high school level, we have state champions, you know, state caliber players, and we have players that can't put their helmet on straight. So we have everyone in between. So I, I think culture definitely defeats strategy. Uh, as long as the, co the caveat is 
coaches have to know what we're doing, you know. And yeah. I actually, I just, I just wrapped up a coaches meeting for our guys. We're getting back together with our players in California. We kick off our season December 12th. Yeah. So we're, we're allowed starting Monday to get back with our players on a limited basis. And I asked them, some of the coaches are new on my staff. I said, you guys have all heard the saying ABC, always be coaching. And some had heard it, some hadn't. I said, I hate that saying because I used to for years overcoach our players. You know, I, I would make sure every defensive back took those three read steps, did the T-step and spent countless hours on the T-step until I coached a young man who just didn't do the T-step well, but his turnover and his go get it, you know, mentality was best. And I realized I can't overcoach him. So we have to know what we're doing, but I think strategy is, is, is important, but culture can trump that. Makes yep. sense. You have to know what to coach and when to coach it. Yeah. And, and for me personally, I love to talk, but I need to know when to shut up and just let <laughs> yeah. them play. Right. Yeah. It's And JR probably doesn't remember this, but I was uh, a few years ago, I went, I was coaching one of my kids' teams or whatever in baseball. And we got to an all-star team. So it was a collection of all the best kids from each team. And we were going into a tournament. And I remember JR telling me, don't change anything. Just hit them a ball and let them play. You know, don't, yeah. don't try and do anything. Don't, you're just there to make sure they show up basically. Right. Because they're going to do what they do. That's why they were selected to be there. You know, you may give a tip here or there, but otherwise shut up and let them play kind of thing, you know? And I remember him telling me that, but you know, what you said coaches is really something that I believe in. And that is direction comes from the top down revolution comes from the bottom up and if you really want that culture you're right your coaches have to buy in whoever you know whoever's helping has to buy in when you're on the rectangle for football but if you want that culture to become something that is self-sustaining it's got to be the kids who take care of other kids and say this is the way we are this is the way we do it and one of the most powerful things I've ever seen is we were at a school and each senior had a, a trading card, like a baseball card, but it was a football card. And on the back of each senior's thing was some stats, but then it had one word on it. One might've been accountability. One might've been responsibility. And those kids were giving them out to the younger kids who were in, who were in like third, fourth, fifth grade. And these kids are just eating it up. They're like, look at so-and-so. He gave me his, his card. I might get a card one day. And he told me that I have to take responsibility for myself. That means I have to be ready to go to practice myself. Mom doesn't have to get my stuff together. And I was like, boom, done. Like, it, I'm like, it's the easy. I was like, just what you said. I'm like, Bill, shut the hell up and let other people do something and you don't have to, to do everything. So with that being said, coach, you've been in this a long time. You already said that. And you, you, you said something that I, I believe in JR believes all the time. We don't know stuff. So let's not act like we know it because kids will figure it out but we're willing to go figure it. We're willing to go learn it, right? So what is it that you tell a first time coach who's going into that head coaching inter interview? What is it you tell him? He just got his first head coaching job. You've been in it a long time. You're well-respected. 
what advice he calls you on the phone. He gets your number from, you know, me or JR, you know, we post it or do whatever. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we post it, do whatever. What is it you tell him? He goes, Hey man, I'm scared as hell, but I'm excited as all get out. I think one of the first things I, I, I tell coaches is to know your why, you know, uh, I, I've, I've known coaches who, and, and they'll admit it, and it baffles me that their only why is they want to get championship rings. And the same coaches lose their wedding rings. Or, <laughs> That's good. <laughs> oh, I love that. You know, and it, it's, it's sad but true, but I, I, I've known in my 23 years coaching three different head coaches who, because of their braggadocious, hey, you know, my wife knows she's a football winner during the season, are now looking at an ex-wife and not seeing a kid yeah. You know, yeah. and, and I'm a firm believer that you can win championships and still put your family first. I'm a firm believer in that. Um, I think one of the biggest things is know your why. And then because for me, you know, knowing your why, I, years ago, even, even today, I think a lot of people say, in order to be a successful coach, you have to have thick skin. And when I first became a head coach, I had a thick skin, but that hardened me a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, and we, we had one season where we lost the state championship by six. We had that same year lost our biggest and best player. Uh, one moved to Texas. Father got relocated and one had injuries. Um, we lost the state championship by six. Great year. Sport was great. But there were two or three parents that were always yapping. We could win a game by 40 points. And if we didn't pass enough, I was an idiot. Even if we won the game. You know, I didn't just. So we had a, an award dinner, a banquet at the end of the year. And I made some joke about it saying, hey, the parents that you know, would rather coach, and I listed off five local high schools that had just opened up their head coaching. <laughs> I, I love it. Coach, great job. And they knew exactly who I was talking to. It took me about a week afterwards, but I was so ashamed. I was yeah. like, I made it myself. I took the focus off the kids. And yeah. a lot of people who knew the parents I was talking about thought it was funny, as did I in the moment. It didn't change them. It didn't have those fathers like, oh, he's right. Um, and I had a thick skin. So one of the best quotes, and this is not my own, I don't remember where I read it, but I'm not this smart to come, it up, come up with it. But it said, if you want to be a successful coach, consider the, uh, the band director or orchestra, or whatever, the, whatever. Turn your back to the crowd and focus on the incident, the players. Oh, the conductor. Yeah. yeah the conductor, thank you. I mean, and that's not my own. But you know, now that I've, for me, the difference between a thick skin and a strong why if I am not full of BS, if my why is truly to empower and bless as many people as I can, I can do it at a Division One school. I can do it at a Division Five school. I can do it with 140 kids in my program or 40 kids in my program. I can do it in a 10 and 0 season or a 1 and 9 season. I refuse to say 0 and 10, but 1 and 9. <laughs> um, so I, I think I would tell them to know their why, to be authentically authentically themselves. I mean, you look at successful coaches in any sport at the top of their game. You're going to have guys that hug the players and tell them they love them. You're going to have guys that never crack a smile. You're going to have guys that are in suit and tie all the time and guys that are in cutoff hoodies or wear shorts like the clown that I am that always wears shorts. So I, I think, you know, those two things and, you know, surround themselves with other great coaches and don't feel like as a head coach you need to have all the answers because you never will. You know, and I'm, a, I'm an offensive guy. You know, I know defense. I can coach defensive backs really well, DNs really well. I need help if I'm being honest with linebackers and D-line technique. I need, I need that help. So if I try to do it all, I'm failing my players, and I'm going to have too many coaches on staff 
who feel like they're not being utilized to the best of their abilities. I think you hit on something really good because once I've won a state championship, I don't think I really care if I ever win another. It'd be awesome to do it, but it was like everything kind of built up to that moment and all the work we put into the youth program and all these hours, and we got so much better as coaches. And then once we got to it, it was like, yeah, it'd be cool to win another, but I just want to make the kids better. I mean, that is the bottom line. And we know we're really good baseball coaches. Ain't nobody got to tell us anymore, you know? So it. And I also think that I just said this before when I go to speaking engagements and I love saying, cause I know the reaction I'm going to get. I, I stand up there and often I'll say, there's not a greater coach out there than me. You can see some guys turn off right away. Some guys are pulling their arms like, who's this arrogant SOB? But then I define it like there are coaches that have won a lot more championships than me. There are coaches who get paid a heck of a lot more than me. But it comes down to how I define success. My number one goal is to empower and bless you. And I've been able to talk to kids who come out of the closet, kids who get young girls pregnant, kids who are suicidal and, and It still breaks my heart, but I, I've talked to kids who, who have chosen not to, and I've also spoken to a young man's funeral who took his life. I, I don't think I failed him. I connected, connected with him. We're not going to save everyone, but if you truly love your players, you're going to be a coach that – I mean, how do you measure success? If I, if, I take, if I take one kid's life and help turn it around, as yeah. opposed to, is that better? You know, it's just you change one person's life, and you, you, you're here for a good reason. I really like – what you just said that you stand up and you're like, I'm the best coach that ever lived. Real, real quick. Sorry. I don't say best. And that that's what the, the, the key is. I don't, I'm saying there's not a greater coach than greater me. coach. I'm not saying I'm better than someone else. You know, okay. from, from pastors or preachers, when you get married, you got two candles. They laid, laid, laid another candle. Me letting another candle doesn't diminish the flame from another candle. You know, so me saying there's not a greater coach than me doesn't mean I'm better than another coach. But if I'm changing life, there's not, a, there's not a greater coach out there. Your coach is just as great, but not greater. I like that. That's, that's something that I'm going to definitely remember. I mean, I know when – it's kind of funny. I can be a little arrogant when I have to be. You know, <laughs> so, like, when we got our state championship rings, it got size for my middle finger, and that was for everybody who said we couldn't do it. And – there was a bunch of others to put it on that finger too, but I just like that. It's just self-confidence. It's confidence in yourself. And I, I, like you said, I don't think there's any better, there's any better way to express it is I'm confident in what I do. And I'll tell you a quick story when I get to this next question here. So I took on assistant AD stuff this year. That's been a learning experience because that's uh, seeing the other side of the coin is it's quite interesting. And I've kind of learned that the four most powerful words I've been using lately is how can I help? Because mm-hmm. it totally disarms people because if they come in and they're mad or they got, you know, questions, it's like, all right, well, how can I help? I mean, what do you think are some of the most powerful words you can use to, to help a kid that's in need, like you were talking about, or a coach or, or anything. Yeah. I, I, first of all, I love that. For me, when you said that, you know, we've often heard, I think many of us, the, the term servant leadership, you know, it's when you're in a position as a parent, as a coach, as an administrator, and people realize 
the words come out of your mouth match your actions. How can I help you? Not how are you going to fix this? What are you going to do? What's wrong? What aren't you doing? I think that's powerful. For me, the word, I think love is one of the most powerful words. I, I tell my students and I tell my players, I love them all the time. And I had a father, his son just joined our program this, this past uh, off season. And he called me the day after our first workout. And he said, coach, I was talking to so-and-so on the way home. And I said, can you believe coach said that to you? He said, we've never heard a coach before say I love each other players. And I said, listen, because I know this family pretty well. Um, I said, I know a lot of them hear it from home. But I also know a great majority never hear it. They'll never hear yeah. it from another man because that's not masculine. That's not tough. You know, it's just made her from the mom. So for me, I think the word love, um, and, and, and not just saying it, but showing it, being that servant leader. I, I realized years ago, and it was from a pastor that really opened my eyes, eyes up to this, to try to eliminate the word but. Because I was so guilty of saying, hey, I love you, mm -hmm. but. And then whatever, you, whatever comes after but, they forget about the previous stuff. So I, I, I change it with and then. I love you, or and because, and because I love you, I'm not letting you get away with that. I love you, and you're one of our best players, and because I love you, you're not starting Friday because you knew you should have been in class, whatever it is. So I try, I try. I'm not perfect with it, it well, in anything, but I'm trying to eliminate the word but, and just say and because, or and then, and therefore, whatever it is. It doesn't change it. There's no but. I love you, and because I love you, I'm not going to let you be a punk as a teacher. I love you, and because you respect me, I know you can respect your parents or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it just makes sense. It's something that I believe in. You, you mentioned it already. Stop saying. Most people say no, but, right? Yeah. No, you can't have that. But if you clean your room, I'll think about it. Right. Mm -hmm. So I was at a conference for work, and the guy speaking was an incredibly successful businessman. And I, and I know him well. We, we, we chat, talk, text, talk from time to time. And at the conference, he made it very clear. He said, stop saying but or no but and say yes and. And if you say yes and and you watch how people change to that because it shows that you're willing to help, you're willing to interact, you're willing to give up something you're doing for them. The whatever comes after the end, they're all for because you said yes. And I think we're going to do this, this, and this, right? Or yes, and by the way, can can you stop by on Tuesday because we can talk about it more, or do whatever, you know. So I think that's it's just a matter of changing people's mindset, right? It's a matter of taking away all that negative crap and trying to just go look we're all here for the same purpose right eventually we yeah. we don't get that much time on earth to be honest with you life is short just ask you know jr here's a here's an unsettling stat that you don't know about okay when i when i lived in chicago on average in the first six months of school or so 31 school age kids were killed yeah in the city of chicago right 31 homicides in some way, shape, or form. And like you, Coach, I've unfortunately been on the side where I knew that kid, right? And uh, we still talk about him in my house with my sons. And you don't want to go through that. So if yes and changes it because you didn't have to say no but, right? And you could show that love and that, that ability and that action, that verb. It just makes sense to me.
but uh, you mentioned it. Family shouldn't suffer. How do you, how do you balance that? How do you balance home football kids? Maybe you have another kid who's playing another sport and you need to get to that sport, but you have an opponent, you, it's your rival. It's you guys are both five and oh, winning that sixth one gets you into district play or does whatever. How do you balance that? Great question. I, I've been blessed. So when I have three daughters and one son, my son played football and I had to coach against him his junior and senior year because I was a head coach in a town just over the border. Okay. Wait, back up, back up. We got to hear more. <laughs> we got to hear about this one. Hold on. Hold well, on. We're going to, we're going to get your answer, but <laughs> I want to know, like, did you talk to your son later? Was he like, yo, look, dad's over there. And if you get a chance, I'm telling you, you know, what, I mean, what was that like? It was wild. It was in the papers. It was on the news and all that stuff. Uh, you know, small town, New Hampshire. Uh, his junior year, we had 144 players in our program. Not I, but we had built a powerhouse. Wow. His team was up and coming with a great coach, but he's only been there for two years. Um, and ha- so we went to breakfast, my son and I, that morning. You know, I, I pray with my family every morning, pray at night, kiss my kids still to this day you know, on the forehead. Nothing, nothing weird, but in the forehead. <laughs> right. And uh, told him I loved him, dropped him off at his school, went to mine. And uh, we, we had a, we, I'm the offensive coordinator, still to this day and was then. And we had a, a guard back then that could, only 185 pounds, but he could pull and kick out a DN like, like no other. And it, it was one of our best plays. And my line coach was like, Heinz, you know that's there. I'm like, Derek, we're not running that play. Not against Gosstown, not against my son. He's like, well, what, what, what if we're, what if it's, you know, the game's on the line and we're on the one yard line and we need it to win. I'm like, we'll win some other way. We'll win some other, you know. So fast forward, we, halftime is 21 nothing. We were winning. I had to run, it's 21 nothing. We already had our starters out. I run up to the bleachers to go to the bathroom and my wife's standing up there and she's burning holes through my soul. And I jog by her. I'm like, hey, she'll knock it off. I'm like, it's 21 nothing. Like, I wasn't, it was only 21 nothing. No, we ended up winning that game. I think it was like 56 to six or something. You know. But his coaches, he knew we, we had our fourth string, fifth string. Second half, we didn't run a single pass. We didn't run a counter, a trap. It was just dive right, dive left, dive right. And we were stacked. His senior year, it was heartbreaking. His senior year, we had graduated something like 27 seniors. Wow. They had with another same coach, but they had really stepped up their game. We ended up winning that game, the final play of the game. They had this stud tight end who went to Boston College. We told wow. our team, do not let him off the line. I don't care if you tackle him. We'll take the penalty. Don't let him off the line. We had our safety, just double coverage. Just you go over top. No matter what, you are pass only, unless you 10 yards past the line of scrimmage. Our DN didn't get a hold of him. Our safety came up for the run support way too early. He ran past him, and it slipped through his fingers. So we won that game. I hate to say luckily, but for lack of better words. So at the end of that game, a moment I'll never forget, you know, one of our children, one's engaged, but one's married with our two grandsons. This moment seriously makes me choke up. Or I won't now, but as much as walking my daughter down the aisle, I knew he was at the end of the line shaking hands. So I knew that, hey, listen, we, we, we're, we're a touchy-feely family. I'm going to embrace him and hug him. As I was getting closer and closer to him, I said in my mind, if he pulls away, I have to respect it. 
The emotions were so high. That game was so close. All of our hearts were in our throats. And got really close with him. And I saw his eyes well up. I lost it. We embraced yeah. it. Best moments I've had with him to this day. He's 22 years, 23 years old now. Um, it's a moment I'll never forget. Uh, so that that was heartbreaking. Um, I even so heartbreaking. I, I even forgot the question you asked originally. <laughs> <laughs> it was just how do you balance? Oh yeah, I, uh, yeah. home and football. But I think we know. Yeah. yeah. I, I, what I did, and not every coach has this has this blessing. I made it a point when I became a head coach in Bethlehem, New Hampshire. I told my staff we will never meet on Sunday. I said, we don't have to sleep Friday nights. Saturdays, we can meet for 25 of the 24 hours that God gives us. And we're not meeting on Sundays. So my family knows that no matter what, Sundays are family day. Now, I said that. We lost every game, as I mentioned earlier, my first year. And my entire coaching staff said, Coach, can we meet on Sundays now? I said, no. I said, well, until they fire me, no. Second year, we won two games. Can we meet on Sundays now? I said, guys, that's not why we're losing. It's not why we're losing. So it took three years for them to buy in. When I came here in Coronado, I told the staff, you know, we're not ever meeting on Sundays unless we choose to meet with our family. So it's easier when you're a head coach to make that call. Not everyone supports it. Um, as an assistant coach, I, I think you – it's not easy. We all know that. I, I think you have to – I asked my, my wife, gosh, until about three years ago, at the end of every season, I said, do you want me to coach again? And she finally looked at me and said, stop asking. She said, I love everything about you being a coach. I support it fully and wholly. But I think – Might have lost him a little bit here. I love being called coaches as much as I love being called hun by my wife, dad by my kids, and papa by my grandson. (laughs) But I don't ever want my wife or kids or grandkids to regret or resent, rather, the game of football and me coaching. So I think communication is is one of the biggest things. You know, not just saying you're family first, but really showing it. And there are times now on Halloween, I'll, 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 and I'll make sure that we're organized, but I'll shorten our sections down. So I leave practice a little early so I can go trick-or-treating with my grandson. Awesome. You know, Great. What's their favorite costume? <laughs> what are they dressing up as now? My niece is like frozen, which I don't even know what that is. Yeah, they're, they're four and five now, my grandson. So dinosaurs and, and God knows what. But I, I love having Papa there, so I make it a point to go there. That's great. That's I awesome. saw the coolest thing last year. There was a, a couple came by our house, and they had a real little girl. Well, they made the wagon look like Cinderella's carriage, and so they had it all decked out. It was the coolest thing ever. And it was like, man. On a side note, but unrelated, well, somewhat related, last year our one of our practices fell on Halloween, and uh, we, we couldn't stop the practice. We were going to end a little earlier. So I am telling the players, I said, listen, we're gonna be in we're gonna be in helmets only. It was a Thursday, so typically we don't bang on Thursdays anyways. I said we're also gonna have a costume costume contest. A few that dressed up, don't have to do conditioning. And uh, the kids love it. And you know what's funny? Some of my coaches, I love our staff, but three of them were like, Coach, this game's big and this I said, Listen, these are high school young men. They yeah. still wanna have fun. We had one of our best practices ever because they were they were laughing during stretching, they were fooling around. But when we say, hey, guys, these 10 minutes, we're going to focus on offense for 15 minutes, let's not screw it. Let's be focused. It was one of our best practices we had, and we ended up winning that game, not because of it, but it didn't cost us. It helped, yeah. 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 You know, there's a, the thing, a thing they do here in Missouri and other states called the polar bear plunge. 
I'm going to tell you the craziest costume I ever seen because everybody goes as something. So there was a bunch of us went as the dead presidents. So I was always Nixon. So I had a Nixon mask, had like a mint green sport coat, but here was the best one ever. There was these dudes and we did this down Lake of the Ozarks. They dressed up as the Hooters girls. And not only was that funny, but the one dude had a can of skull in his pantyhose. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. It was just crazy. So, Coach, uh, my last one for you here, I want you to talk about your school, talk about your staff, talk about your kids. You know, I've got vision of sailboats going by, the Navy SEALs, you know, out on a paved low doing fast rope training and all this. Talk it up a little bit. Yeah, I, I, lo- I love our program. So I left Bedford, New Hampshire. We had 144 players, came to San Diego. I was an assistant coach at a different school for two years. When I came here three years ago, I just wrapped up my third year as head coach, obviously heading into my fourth. Uh, we had 47 kids in our entire program, freshmen through seniors. My mind was blown. I was like, wait, this is California football. What's going on here? Uh, we, and, and two of my coaches on staff, one had been here for 18 years, uh, one for eight, had applied for the head coaching job. So I didn't know if they were going to stay on. They did. And then a very good friend of mine said, hey, be real careful because, you know, I'm an optimist to the core. But he said they might be staying on because they love the program. They might be staying on to undermine with parents or administration or whatever, what you're doing. Uh, Very long story short, just such blue collar, great people have stayed on staff, are just salt of the earth people, love them. Um, So my first year we lost, uh, we won two games here. That was it. Second year, we won five. Last year, we went to the second round of the playoffs. Um, we're still small. We only have, we're looking at 70 players this year. So we're growing. Um, but I think that comes back to, obviously, success helps. Yeah. But word spread. Young men are having fun. They're going to talk to their friends. Uh, our staff is a mixture of uh, got a few guys that are early 20s. Guys like myself that are very, very young, 49-year-old uh, um, and then we get some coaches, you know, mid sixties that, uh, been around the block a few times. And, and I, I love who we are. The greatest challenge I'll tell you, Coronado is, uh, not everyone, but it's a very affluent community. So it's, it's tough sometimes when you're trying to convince someone about hard work and they turn 16 and they get a brand new Maserati and not everyone's like that. And then we have the Naval base. And I'll tell you, that is such a blessing and I'll never say a curse, but it's such a blessing and a challenge because you talk about culture. I, two years ago, we had, a, we had a same young man. We had a very good quarterback, stud safety, same young man who was a junior. And he just, he just, he just, he loved to hit like, like no other. Well, season ends and his father got transferred somewhere else. So it's ever changing. And that's why I, I believe now more than ever that culture is not a slap on the wall, a t shirt. It's an ever growing, ever evolving, living organism where. You can't just assume, hey, they're in our program. They're going to be here for four years. You know, one of our top receivers this coming season is uh, going to be a junior. His father already told me he's retiring next year from the Navy, and they don't know that Coronado is expensive. They don't know if they're going to stay here, and I, and I understand that. So uh, we, we're, we're, we're blessed. We have a good number of beach bonfires, you know, after practice sometimes. We have beach workouts from time to time. Um, but the biggest message I'm trying to convey to our players is to be where your feet are. And what I mean, you know, be present, however you want to say it, you know, we know what it feels like to stand in cleats on a football field. We, we, can, we can visualize that. It, it, it's fresh, you know. We also know what it's like to, to have, be barefoot in the, in the beach. You know, <laughs> on the, um, 
be where your feet are is, hey, listen, you know, we all have stresses. We all have bills to pay as far as coaches. We all have families. We all have girlfriends for the players, not the coaches. Um, <laughs> and I say, listen, when we walk through these gates to our field, for the next two hours or two and a half hours, be where your feet are. You know, just be here, be in the moment. Um, so, yeah, we, we are, as far as San Diego football is concerned, we're a Division Four program. California did something. I'm still not used to it, and I'm still not a fan of it. They do this thing in Southern California where they have Division One, which is the highest, Division Two, Three, Four, Five, I think six. Um, but what happens midway through the season, Division One breaks off to the Open Division. So they take the top Division One teams, and then now you're in the Open Division. Okay. I hate everything about what I'm about to say, but I've heard several coaches call out other coaches for throwing certain games. To stay down. Division, they'll be knocked out of the playoffs right away. And if they lose a game or two, they'll stay in Division One and World State Championship. And everything about that is un-American, un-football, un- I hate it. Um, but it is what it is. So we're a middle-of-the-pack Division Four program right now. Like I said, last year we made the second round of the playoffs, beat a team that no one picked us to win. And then we went to the quarterfinals and played a team that beat us in the regular season pretty bad. And being the optimist that I am, I'm like, listen, we got our game plan set. You guys are healthy. It was a close game till kickoff. And then, and then, they, then they just ate us alive. It, it was uh, – <laughs> I like it. They ended up going on winning states. So it, it, wow. it ended off a little bit. But uh, I, I love everything about us. And that's – once again, I, I think as coaches, you know, if, if we buy into our own players – and don't focus on the logo on our shirt or the division of our school. Man, if you're in it for the right reasons, you should love every place you coach at. And, well, sometimes in certain coaches, you leave because you don't like their, their, their philosophy or their, what they're doing. But uh, I, I love everything about us. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. You know, um, one thing you said, JR, and, and Coach, you, you mentioned it in, in context, is I'm fortunate now to coach with one of the winningest high school football coaches in the state. He won seven state titles in a row. Okay. Um, And it was interesting. He was at practice the first or second day with the kids and, you know, telling them his story. And he said, listen, I'll tell you, after I won the first state title, I was sitting in the stands watching the next game, writing down my roster for the next year. And after I won the second one, I realized it doesn't fill you up. Right. It doesn't. That's not what fills you up. He was now I get texts from kids who I coached for six months who want to know how it go, how it's going and all that kind of stuff. And you're right. That's what does it. It's people, it's relationships, and it's adding value to someone else's life at some point in time. And it may not be immediate. It may be down the road. Um, and that, that takes me to your, your quote, Coach, that I read on your website. Don't confuse movement with progress. Rocking chairs are constantly moving but rarely, if ever, make any progress. Sure. You can, uh, like JR said, I'm, I'm a deep thinker, so I would go on a, like an eight-page dissertation about that. Um, but what I like about it is it's effective, it's short, it's sweet, it's highly understandable, and kids can relate and go, I understand what you mean, coach. I got you. We're going to be okay. This has been incredible, JR. Um, we got to find some time during the season when coach hits season to do a part two 
at some point yeah, in time. For sure. But but you know what I want to do, JR? I want to talk I want to talk to some of his players out there. I want to talk to some of these guys. I want that to That can be on. interesting. You find out who I really am. No yeah. <laughs> we want we want some of his players on here. We got Zoom. We could put like 100 people on here, coach, so we can get your entire team on here one night. Whatever your rivalry rivalry week is, that. we'll get them on. We'll get them on. We'll get it rolling. We'll get them fired up. We'll get them fired up, man. We'll get them going, um, baby. We'll get them going. But, Coach, the oldest game in the book is tag. You've been it for, I don't know, 45, 46 minutes, something around there. I'm not keeping track. I'm guessing. <laughs> and the, the, the objective of the game is to not be it anymore. Yeah. So, if you would like to tag someone else to be on this podcast, and you have to know them. Okay, you yep. can't just tell me, oh, I would like President Trump. Well, that's great, but do you know him? Can you get him here? Um, and they are on a bucket list that JR and I have. We're going to send money to your charity of choice. Uh, it can't be Islander football, though. I got to tell you that. It can't be that. It's got to be <laughs> It's got to be something else. We'll pick something else. Um, tag, you're it. You're going after one guy. It's uh, it, They're on a football field. You got to go get them. You got to Track him down. Who are you going to tag? I'm going to tackle him. He's a lot bigger than me, but I'm tackling this guy. Corey Proctor. Okay. Corey Tell Proctor. Us. Actually, he doesn't coach now, but um, connected with me at a, at a speaking event that he was going to come listen to me. And I, I was like a 13-year-old schoolgirl. I'm a huge Cowboys fan. Okay. He played center for the Cowboys for six years. Wow. And uh, I said, what are you speaking on? He said, no, I'm just going to come here. you speak. So I was all giddier than I'd like to admit. Wow. He met up at the Dallas-Fort Worth uh, airport. Got, uh, I'm not small, but this guy's a monster. Got the same rental car. And man, we looked like dumb and dumb. So my wife told me, I don't know what it was, but it was like a little match. But my knees were by my ears. I was like this. And but we, we spoke in that car for about an hour and a half about faith, family, football. Uh, he, he's just, uh, just a salt of the earth. Like I said, played for the Cowboys for six years. Uh, strong, strong, loving man with tremendous experience in life, in business, in football. So I'm guessing awesome. he may not be on your list. So, oh, you don't know. You don't know. Um, we'll take him. We, we, <laughs> we will, we will tell you off air if he is or he isn't. Um, the coach I, yeah, it's, the, it's the Coach Hines Surf and Turf Burrito Foundation. It does get it. <laughs> nice. I got it. I got what is it. it with burritos in California? I, I, I don't know. The, I don't we got know. the desert. We got burritos. What was the other thing we learned on one of these? It was something oh, where I was going. The stories are endless, chair. Oh, the rodeo clown. Oh, the rodeo God. clown. That was a whole other adventure. Naked guys walking down the highway. I mean, it's just been, it's just been ridiculous. Uh, Coach, you've mentioned <laughs> it a few times. And... Um, it's our podcast, so I'm going to ask. JR's never told me to not ask, so I'm going to ask. <laughs> um, favorite Bible verse? Yeah, John 1930. Uh, Tell us. I should back up. I am not a scriptorian. The reason I know that so well is I teach fourth grade at a private Christian school. Okay. okay. And, I, and I'm going I'm to paraphrase, which I know you shouldn't do with Bible verses. Um, but something to okay. uh, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he bowed his head gave up his spirit and said, it is, it is finished. And the reason I love that is because I tell my students that in my opinion, the Bible is the greatest love story ever written. You know, Jesus didn't die on a cross because he was forced to. He chose to give his life. And I think as, co as coaches, if we can choose 
to selflessly serve others, if we can choose to give our life for a greater cause and not just a greater piece of jewelry on our finger, but for, for, to win the hearts of young men and young women, then, then I think we're living a great life. Yeah, God, I like it. God bless you, man. God be with you and your family. And whew, uh, he, he better be good, Coach, because this is going to be a good episode. So if you, ta- yeah. if you tagged him, uh, we appreciate it. JR, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I say this all the time, but we're just two dudes from mid-Missouri. How this happens to us, I, I have no idea. Uh, it's Thursday night before game day. I'm pumped that we don't play for 22 hours or something like that, so I'm going to have to calm myself down a little bit. Coach Hines, let me tell you something real quick. So Coach Duke and I have known each other, what now, seven years? Long time, yeah. He is really good at talking me into things I really don't want to do sometimes. <laughs> So, it's it's pretty funny. We get along pretty well. You can cut this out if you want or whatever. But I, I it's almost a sickness. Um, Thursday night, I I don't go to bed, and it's not on purpose. I can't sleep. I go to bed with my wife usually around ten Thursday night, ten or eleven. I don't fall asleep until around two and get up around four. Wow. You guys, it's not it's not healthy. It's not good. But how are you guys Thursday nights? We don't sleep because me yeah. and him are bad. My wife has me and him on a curfew. <laughs> it's it. 9 p.m. There can be no phone calls. So Yeah. It's pretty uh, funny. Yeah, yeah, right. Text is what we do because usually text. she falls asleep by 10 and then we talk till text. about midnight. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's kind of crazy. Um, you know, I'm learning. I'm constantly learning, Coach. And I try and use everything that I do as – more and more knowledge, more and more information, whether that's experience-based for now or for later or whatever it is. And I can tell you that I don't sleep real good because uh, I got a left hip problem, but I'm going to get that fixed. But uh, it's tough because, and I'm not, I'm not going to get too philosophical here, but there's so many things I want to do, right? There's so many things I don't want to miss, Right. So very rarely, very rarely, will I go to sleep before my children. I got to be dead sick if I'm ever going to go to sleep before them. My wife is an amazing machine. She can stay up and bake cookies all damn night and get up the next morning and be like, I'm like, whoa, look at you, right? But I don't want to miss anything. Right. That's uh, it. I'm, both of you gentlemen, how, how old are your children now? Uh, I have four boys. Wow. One I yeah. adopted. I was his uh, middle school football coach and I adopted him and his brother. Um, And he now is when I was in Chicago. And then when we moved back to Missouri, he came with us, his brother, who we also adopted asked if he could stay with a family member in Illinois. And we said, yes, that's fine. Since David has come back with us and trust me, I've learned more from him than I've ever taught him. Okay. But since, He's come back. He's gotten married. He, I have two grandchildren myself now, so three more members of the family. Uh, he's 32. My oldest son, Jake, is 17, about to be 18. He's a senior in high school, and I get to coach him every day. I love it. That's fantastic. My son, Connor, is 15. He's a sophomore in high school. He's on the freshman-sophomore team. I don't get to coach him directly, but I get to be around him. And my son, Sam, is 12, and he's playing youth football. And he'll ask me, Dad, can you help me with my stance in it? like uh christmas day you know um no girls in the house except my wife uh (laughs) but she's a really good boy mom because she played college softball 
So first time I met her and we were playing catch and she threw a ball and I was like, holy crap, you know how to throw a ball. So <laughs> yes, we're going to date again. And this is probably going to go a lot farther than you think already. So yeah, but, yeah, but that's just me. That's just me. I, I always tell Bill I don't have any kids I know of, so <laughs> I've got two stepsons who. You know, I, I used to joke about that for years until about two months ago. My wife asked me to do twenty three and me, so I was like, <laughs> I know all the kids I have. I know all the kids I have. That's awesome. Nice, good stuff. Oh, Jr. Uh, Coach, we have a clinic every year. Uh, we put it on. Open door policy. Anytime yeah. you want to come, you're in. Uh, you could stay at Jr.'s house. You could stay at my house. Yeah, why not? It's not. It's not the Holiday Inn. We got a. We got a pool. He's got a hot tub. You know, it's not California weather because it's going to be cold. But you you are welcome in our homes anytime. I appreciate that. Uh, it's been amazing. I, we wish your football team the greatest success. And Jr. and I have joked about doing a little round robin tour out there. On the we got to get out there to, to to watch some games. We got to. Um, I have a hard time keeping my mouth shut, though, Coach. If I ever get get somewhere <laughs> like, "Yo, dude, you should be running outside zone. Look at their five technique." So <laughs> I, I'll promise I won't come down on the sidelines, and I'll keep my mouth shut. I, I'm humble enough to listen once. If it doesn't work, then uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That is good. I got to remember that one. We're going to be friends, Coach. I We're like going to be that. really good friends. All right. Very good. For process, preparation, performance, I'm Duke. Keith Simmons, CoachKurtHines.com for amazing information and to know why his football team is in extremely good hands. Check it out. You won't be disappointed. Peace. We're out. Thank you.